1: I'm Jim Bennett.
0: I'm Abby Bennett.
1: And this is the National Emergency Edition of Dinner Table wee Politics. Wee you, wee you. So, are you excited that we are living under a national emergency? Every time I think about emergency powers, I think about Star Wars Episode One and Jar Jar Binks standing up and granting emergency powers to Emperor Palpatine and creating the entire intergalactic empire that. Cause so many problems. That so you're just
0: making it all worse, then, by so, invoking Jar Jar Binks.
1: Right. Well,
0: this is a safe space. I don't want to talk about him here.
1: What Jar Jar Binks? Yes. You're you're happier talking about Donald Trump than Jar Jar Binks.
0: They're in the same vein, I think.
1: Yeah, well, to some degree. They
0: have the same vocabulary almost. Well, just kidding.
1: Although there, there's some truth in that actually, but that's a whole other discussion. So I. I look at this national emergency and it's Wait a,
0: first back up just explain like where why who declared it for the for the uninitiated.
1: Well, for the uninitiated, the National Emergency Act was created in nineteen seventy six by Gerald Ford. Uh, that was designed to formalize the process by which presidents can declare states of emergencies and to use special powers to be able to deal with the emergencies.
0: Without Congress needing to do stuff?
1: Yeah, but a lot of this... So back in 2002, I was the communications director for the city of Sandy, and we were sent back with the mayor of Sandy and a bunch of people in Sandy to go to a national emergency training center. Where we were trained as to how to deal with a national emergency. And the, and the reason why they talk about emergencies is usually we're talking about things like tornadoes and tidal waves or whatever else. I get, they don't call them tidal waves, tsunamis. Have we had a tsunami in the United States? I don't know that we have.
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: Anyway. <laughs> so, but usually they're natural disasters, and you declare a state of emergency so that the government can act quickly. Because, because
0: Congress is slow, usually.
1: Because, well, Congress... And and Congress usually doesn't object to those kinds of declarations of emergency, right? Congress is usually just thinking, okay, well, that's fine. This gives the president Most the power... Most members
0: of Congress are anti-tsunami, as far as I know.
1: I, I don't know that we've taken a poll. I don't know that you can say that. But anyway, so Snopes.com... Was checking up on a meme that was circulating that says every president since 1976 has declared at least one national emergency. Carter declared two. Reagan declared six. H.W. Bush declared four. Clinton declared seventeen.
0: Well, is that what the meme says? This is what the meme says. Because I read it and it's like the, each of the Bushes declared one more than the meme said, and Obama declared one less than the right, meme said. Or right. Right.
1: I was I was going to okay, I was sorry. going to get to that point. Sorry, but I'm just giving you the meme numbers. Clinton 17, W. Bush 12, Obama 13, Trump 3. Snope says that Obama was actually 12 and that both Bushes, the first Bush was 5 and the second Bush was 13.
0: I just don't remember, I don't remember them doing that. Like, I, I was, I, I don't remember anyone before W. Bush, but I don't remember it being as big of a deal as this one is.
1: Well, it isn't as big a deal because it's usually generally agreed upon by everybody that it's an actual emergency. For instance, George W. Bush declared an emergency, a national emergency, after Hurricane Katrina. That was a national emergency that required FEMA to go in and act immediately to be able to you know, stem the the difficulties of the crisis. That's what a, that's what an emergency is.
0: Well, I think Obama declared one during the swine flu epidemic, right?
1: Uh, he may have. Yeah. That, that I, re- I remember that
0: me. one because that one is something that would have stuck out to me,
1: right? So as I mean, a
0: fan of the flu. Not not its effects, but...
1: But you're just a fan of studying the flu?
0: It's it's a very interesting virus, yes.
1: Uh, You want to elaborate that on that a little bit?
0: The flu? Sure. Oh, it's just super cool. It just is mutating constantly because it goes in, because humans can get like bird flu, like avian flu or swine flu, you know? But the problem with the flu, like why we have to make new vaccines every year is because it goes through this thing called genetic shift and like... Uh, two different strains will like infect a pig or something. And then, in, I'm not explaining it very well, and then it will like come out a brand new virus, and it's just crazy.
1: Well, see, Super cool. So you're the person the president ought to consult with regard to national emergencies. I don't think I'm the person,
0: to... but I'll be uh, excited about it still. Well,
1: those are the kinds of national emergencies that are usually declared. And usually, there's general consensus that, yes, this is a genuine emergency, and the reason why we have this act to allow the President to do this is because something has happened that requires immediate action. And so this is Trump's
0: third national emergency, we said. What were the first two?
1: Well, my guess is that they were natural disasters.
0: <laughs> was it like Hurricane Maria? Uh, yeah, because everyone was mad at him for not helping out
1: for not paying as much Puerto attention. Rico. But those kinds of things are, are genuine emergencies. And it's stunning that even President Trump admits that he didn't have to do this. That this was not necessarily, you know, he's been in office for two years. Illegal immigration has been going down steadily for well over a decade. It reached its peak in 2007, and it has continually declined every year thereafter. And the amount of people who are coming across the border has declined even faster during the great recession we actually had a net negative illegal immigration people were I not thought
0: we still did
1: we don't still have a net negative oh, but, never but it's then. but it's much lower than historical highs and the majority of people that are coming here illegally come here not by scurrying across the border in the dead of night but by coming here on a temporary visa that they overstay yeah it's a much easier way to do it i think if i want to go somewhere and anyway so so there is really no credible argument that can be made that this is something that if we didn't act right now, that there would be dire consequences. Because Trump's been on office for two years. Illegal immigration has been steadily declining. There isn't a moment like a hurricane or a typhoon. We Maybe had he a typhoon? knows something we don't know. No. Maybe it's
0: a hurricane that will be stopped by a wall. You think? Yeah. Like a Tasmanian devil kind of hurricane that
1: like Yeah yeah, yeah those I'm, are <laughs>
0: To be fair I don't think that is what it is. what it is but giving him the benefit of the doubt I well, guess Well there,
1: there is no doubt the, 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 there is no doubt this is not a genuine an emergency which is why I think it's it's going to get into serious trouble when it's challenged in court
0: Cuz a bunch of states are suing him
1: Yeah yeah, and and I think they're right to sue him because I think he's violating the intent of the law, even if he's not necessarily violating the letter of the law.
0: Well, I was—I I don't know who. I think it was Nancy Pelosi that said it. Um, they were saying like, think of this: like a Democratic uh, president could then declare a national emergency to. to- Pass gun laws or something. Right,
1: right. Well, Which,
0: yeah, I didn't even think of it like that.
1: Well, and AOC and some of her supporters have talked about declaring a national emergency to implement the Green New Deal in order to fight climate change. That essentially, a national the, emergency, taking over the so, government.
0: So a national emergency, I just don't understand like what it does. So it's we could say there's an emergency, so what does that do? What does that free up?
1: It frees up the president to make uh, financial decisions that he couldn't make otherwise. So right now, the way the government is organized is that the Congress has the power of the purse. The Congress decides how money is spent, and it's the executive branch's uh, responsibility to implement what Congress allows him to implement. So c- the president can't do anything unless Congress approves the money for it first. So it's like
0: when you go to a, like a store with a toddler and like you go through the toy or candy aisle... And you like they're screaming and you can only give them like some things you're not gonna give it all to them
1: uh, that's actually a really really good analogy right? Aha! So, well done no well uh, the president can't do anything or you
0: just leave the grocery store and leave all the groceries you don't even check out because you're so you're so done with your kid
1: right that's that's exactly right well what it essentially does is it says president, The president in an emergency has the power to to spend money and allocate federal resources without approval from Congress. For
0: how long? It just seems so vague. It all seems so.
1: Well, we can dive in. I haven't dived into the actual text of the legislation, but.
0: Is it in the Constitution?
1: No. No. this This was a. Oh, yeah,
0: you said it was Gerald Ford.
1: Gerald Ford. This is 1976. The only
0: president to never have been elected.
1: Well. Yeah, that's correct. Well, when we get back from our break, I want to talk a little bit about the slippery slope that we're supposedly on as a result of this federal emergency. Because that's the argument everybody's making, that this is a slippery slope, and I would argue we're already halfway down the slippery slope. Anyway. It's
0: just really slow. It's, it's a been,
1: really, it, it's a, like, not
0: steep slope. Oh,
1: well, there you go. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get back. I have a really low, manly voice today, is so you,
0: say say the Garth Brooks song.
1: I got friends in low places.
0: Yay!
1: Do yeah. we have to pay copyright Exciting. for that? Fair use. Fair use. Anyway, so uh, everybody's arguing. Everybody, Whenever anything happens that people don't like, one of the most popular arguments to make is the slippery slope argument. Uh, you see this in abortion all the time. And that abortion... Rights advocates get very angry when abortion opponents do anything, even the most reasonable thing, to oppose any kind of late-term abortion, because it's a slippery slope, and eventually we're going to get to the point where all abortions will be outlawed. Well, uh, we talked about abortion enough, but but the point is, everybody brings up this slippery slope.
0: That's also one of the books in the series of unfortunate events series.
1: It's called a slippery slope.
0: Yeah, there's a book called the slippery slope.
1: Oh, is it good? Yeah. All right. It's good. <laughs> Everybody should read that one. Have you seen the Netflix series? Of I unfortunate? watched the
0: first season. I haven't watched the second season. Oh. It was good. It was cool.
1: Well, I watched the Jim Carrey movie, and that was terrible. No,
0: that one was they they rushed. It's it's such a it's such a intense like and detailed book series, and they just like shoved three books together in one movie, and, and it was they didn't pay it the attention it deserved.
1: Okay. Well, so there's your literary recommendation for the week.
0: Series of unfortunate events. My favorite in, like, 5th and 6th grade.
1: Well, so read the Slippery Slope book because that will prepare you for Because everybody argues, okay, this is a slippery slope, and the next president is going to use... Be Count Olaf. Is I going, brought
0: it back to the series of arguments. You did.
1: Events. Well done. You, you pulled it back. You brought it all together. Well, I don't put a lot of stock in most slippery slope arguments because everything is always a slippery slope. You can always take something to a ridiculous extreme. And using the extreme to argue against something reasonable doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't work. It's a,
0: it's a logical fallacy, right?
1: It is a logical fallacy. Yes, indeed. But the thing here is that we've been on this slippery slope. I don't know if the slope isn't steep enough or if it's just not slippery enough. Our
0: tube is slowly deflating or our something. Our tube is
1: slowly deflating.
0: Because well, I, I imagine us on a tube. I don't imagine us like on our feet sliding down.
1: We're on an inner tube? We're on an inner tube. Okay. So it's a, it's a flat inner tube. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest criticisms of the Obama presidency by the right was that he was using executive power far too much. Right. And indeed, the the whole DACA declaration, the idea of not deporting the children of illegal immigrants... Uh, that was done entirely by executive order. Saturday Night Live even made fun of that.
0: Oh, then the, you know.
1: Then you know. I mean, it if was Saturday deal. Night Live's willing to, to criticize Obama, they did a parody of the I'm Just a Bill bill song. Oh,
0: I remember, I remember that. Yeah,
1: and then the guy comes out, I'm an executive order, and I really just happened. And then
0: he pushes the bill down the stairs yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So the criticism of Obama was that Obama was relying too heavily on executive orders. But this has been going back for decades. Bush... George W. Bush was criticized for executive orders, and the first time I remember it, and it may be because that was when I was becoming essentially politically aware, but I remember- awakening? My awakening. As it were. As it were. But after the 1994 congressional elections when the Democrats lost the House for the first time in 40 years, 40, not four, 40 years-
0: Oh, that's crazy.
1: Uh President Clinton said that he was going to rely heavily on executive orders because he couldn't get things done with the Republican Congress. And one of his advisors was a guy named Paul Begala. And Paul Begala would say, stroke of the pen, law of the land. Pretty cool. And the right was just up in arms. How dare you even say that? How dare you think that? The thing is, President Clinton never really did any kind of massive executive orders that, that I can remember. If he did, I don't recall any of them. But it... And, it's really bizarre to me for people who start complaining about this wall as being this massive executive order. Because in the grand scheme of things, it really isn't that big. We're talking about $8 billion, which is a lot of money. Yeah. Do you Speak have $8 yourself. billion?
0: Not even close.
1: Yeah, $8 billion as part of a $3.3 trillion federal budget represents 0.02% of all government I think. What,
0: I think what most people, I don't think the fiscal part is what most people are concerned about. Like it's kind of just a monument to racism is what I've heard a lot of people say.
1: Oh, I agree with that. Uh, that's absolutely right. But it's bizarre to me when people start talking about, I, I get very frustrated with people on both sides of the partisan divide who suddenly become these hardcore fiscal deficit hawks when somebody's doing something they don't like, right? Right. To, to listen to AOC complain about the cost of the wall when she wants to spend $40 trillion to recreate the entire United States economy, it, it doesn't per, it's not persuasive to me. I don't believe that they really care about it. I felt the same way during the whole tax cut debate when Bernie Sanders was saying, this is going to add so much money to our deficit. And I thought, Bernie, look at all of the money you were going to add to the deficit if you were president. I mean, don't. It, but Republicans do exactly the same thing. Republicans will say, oh, geez, we're fiscal conservatives, we can't afford it. And then they'll turn around and spend billions and billions of dollars on defense. Same old
0: song and dance.
1: Same old song and dance. So I don't really think any member of either party has credibility when they start to complain about how something's going to cost too much, particularly when it's something that is, the amount of money being spent on this is such a minuscule part of the federal budget. The The phrase my father always used to use was budget dust. He'd say, this is just budget dust.
0: It's still a lot of money, though.
1: Well, it, it is. It still
0: go to a lot of different things. Yes. Like, Flint still doesn't have clean water. Why can't we f- declare a national emergency and fix that?
1: Have they declared it? They might have declared a national I emergency. Don't I don't know. think so. Well, I, th- those are all good questions, but the reality is that in terms of our fiscal health, this really isn't going to have much of an impact one way or the other. This is like a, uh, the the be- way I, best way I've seen described it is: this is a family that is deeply in debt that decides to go to Starbucks one morning. Well, they shouldn't go to Starbucks when they're deeply in debt, but they're going to Starbucks isn't really going to make much of a difference. What are they getting at
0: Starbucks though?
1: A wall. We're getting a big old wall. Can I have, on the have one borders. racist
0: latte, please? <laughs> right. One grande racist.
1: Right. Well, and see, that's the the whole issue of the wall is is is. It, With almond milk? It's what?
0: With almond milk. A wall
1: with almond milk? I
0: was just adding to the metaphor of going to Starbucks.
1: Well, its salience has nothing to do with what it's going to do to prevent legal immigration. It has to do with what it's going to do to inspire Trump's base, to inspire the nativism and the bigotry that is at the heart of Trump's base. And so I think we should address it in those terms rather than try to pretend that we're all up in arms about how much it costs because that's such a secondary consideration. We should be worried about the fact that what it's actually doing to the national psyche and what it's doing to Trump's base as they scapegoat immigrants with all of the problems that are happening in the country. And I want to talk a little bit more about that and another side of that when we get back to the break. During the break, you said people are gonna be mad at me for calling them bigots.
0: I did say that, yes. You're putting me on the spot.
1: I'm sorry, didn't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, I've had people be mad at me for calling them bigots. I'm not necessarily calling people specifically bigots, but it's harder and harder for me to find, when when Trump was first elected, I'd said, well, the vast majority of the people who voted for him just didn't see an alternative in Hillary, and they're not bigots, and they're decent people who just held their nose and voted for somebody who they thought was the lesser of two evils. I think it's harder and harder to make that argument as time goes on, as Trump reveals. I mean, this is a president who has gone out of his way to defend Nazis. I mean, actual Nazis. Not just people who are bad, but people who like wear swastikas and marched in Charlottesville, Virginia.
0: Yeah, that's not a good move.
1: Well, if there's one gimme in all of politics, it's that Nazis are bad.
0: I thought that was a universally held opinion. I pretty it much apparently is. not.
1: And it's also a universally politically popular opinion. You can score points by standing up and saying Nazis are bad. And
0: and everyone claps.
1: Everyone claps. Everyone likes that. And this is That's by a-
0: Indiana Jones and the um, Ark of the Covenant. Which one is that?
1: Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ra- Raiders of the Lost, the Lost yeah. Ark
0: is so great. Because all the Nazis get their faces melted off. Well, in the and it's very satisfying to watch.
1: And in Indiana Jones, in the third movie, in The Last Crusade, he says, Nazis, I hate Nazis. Yeah. And, you know, that's great.
0: Great movie. Everybody, Amazing movie.
1: You know, there, there are very few absolutes in the universe, but it's pretty much an absolute truth that Nazis are bad. And this is a president of the United States that can't bring himself to say that. And this is a president of the United States who's gone out of his way to demonize immigrants. He talks about people from crap hole countries yeah but he doesn't use that word he doesn't use that word and obviously he's talking about racial minorities I mean this is a man who whether or not he personally is a bigot he is entirely comfortable speaking and sounding like a bigot and appealing to the worst instincts of bigots so I I really don't See any reason to pull punches in talking about the bigotry of Donald Trump and the bigotry of his supporters? Are there su- yeah. are there supporters of Donald Trump who are not bigots? Yes, I would say there are. Uh, I think there are they are continue to diminish in terms of their ratio to the bigots in Donald Trump's base, and I I just don't see how you can continue to support him wholeheartedly without having some bigotry. So I don't know. Does that make me a terrible person? No. <laughs> well. The, the, the flip side to this, though, when we talk about emergencies and we talk about bigotry, I think we have to talk a little bit about this Jussie Smollett guy. Do you
0: okay. Know,
1: do you know who he is?
0: Yeah. Had
1: you heard of him before this whole thing had broken?
0: Um, I didn't know his name, but I've seen Empire before, the show that he's on. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
1: All I knew about Empire is it has the guy in it who used to be an Iron Man who got fired and was replaced by Don Cheadle. Oh. Yeah. Ter- Terrence Howard. I didn't know that. Is I that love Don Cheadle. Well, do you know he Terrence just, Howard? He's the mm, guy. He's the lead in Empire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He played Rhodey in the first Iron Man movie.
0: Oh yeah. And
1: he was replaced by Don Cheadle Why? in the second and third. He wanted more money. Oh, classic. And, and I think classic Don, Terrence. I think Don Cheadle's a better actor anyway. He
0: just hosted SNL.
1: Who Don Cheadle did? Yeah. Oh, good.
0: And he wore a shirt when he was like introducing the musical. At- Act that said, protect trans kids.
1: Oh, okay. And people
0: were mad or people were happy. It was like...
1: Well, over, over
0: a t-shirt, though. It's like...
1: I thought you said he was going to wear his, his war machine outfit from Iron Man. Yeah. He didn't wear that.
0: I don't think it's real.
1: You don't think it's a real outfit?
0: I, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure it's not. I don't know. The CGI is getting really really Was he in days.
1: Avengers Affinity War? I yes, predict.
0: and he didn't die.
1: He didn't die. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good for him. So, anyway, you have this actor... Who claims that he was attacked in a hate crime? Is this actor gay? Yeah. Because he said it was a homophobic yeah. and racist attack.
0: Yeah, and they said he said that they were saying this is MAGA country. Yeah. Blah 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 blah, like beating him up.
1: And what's become clear is that this this actor hired these two guys to beat him up. That and, just and-
0: makes no sense. I don't understand that at all. Like what? I don't know.
1: What don't you understand?
0: Why would you do that? What do you have to get, What does he have to gain by that? I, gu- I guess his name he became like pretty, uh, well like his name was in the news a lot. Well, but... I
1: now know who he is. I didn't know who he is before this happened. I had no idea who he was. It's a very strange first name, Jussie. I keep wanting to say Jesse, and it's Jussie Smollett.
0: I don't think it's that weird of a name.
1: Well, we have a son named Jetty. Which oh yeah, is they said
0: name. that he. They like put a rope around his neck, like poured bleach on him. Right. Wore maga hats.
1: Yeah, but apparently now they have the receipt for the rope. The, yeah. The, the actor went and bought the rope and gave it to them. Yeah. And all this kind of stuff. Apparently, what what network is Empire on? Is it CBS?
0: No. Um. I don't know. It doesn't uh, matter.
1: Anyway. The producers in the network are standing behind the actor. They're not firing him. And the, although the police is continuing to investigate, and they've gone from investigating the two people who supposedly attacked him to investigating the entire fraud of the thing. But that's a really good question. Why would somebody do that?
0: That's so weird. I, I just can't... like well, what? How did he get that idea in his head? You know, Did he come up with it on his own? It's just so bizarre to me.
1: Well, there have been so th- this is what makes living in an in, in a country where there is still a great deal of real bigotry this is what makes it far more difficult and complicated because even though we live in a country where there is real bigotry we also live in a country where people are trying to um are, t- are trying to paint their political opponents as bigots and are willing to be dishonest to do it yeah for instance there there is uh, I, I I I need to call up the specific details on it, but there was an incident years ago where a professor was concerned about all these swastikas that were being. Painted oh, I, on I her remember door. that. Yeah, yeah. She painted the swastikas yeah. on her own door.
0: Yeah, that's so weird. To make herself
1: look like a victim, to be able to demonize her political opponents and do all of that kind of thing, and so I I think it's the kind of overreaction we usually see when somebody, somebody feels like they're out of power. I think the Tea Party in the years of the Obama administration was a massive overreaction to Barack Obama. I don't think Barack Obama was nearly as far left as the Tea Party said he was, but they decided that we're going to come back to this Boston Tea Party, throw all everything overboard, and return to our roots and wear tri-cornered hats and scream at rallies. Uh, that struck me as a massive overreaction. And the kind of bigotry that we've seen from Donald Trump and from Donald Trump supporters, I think we're seeing an overreaction to that with yeah. this kind of an incident. I would agree. So
0: That's just so, I don't know, like you have to go to the store and buy all that stuff. And it's not, it not only is this a crazy idea, but it has so much like work you have to do and money you have to spend. Like I can barely get myself to go grocery shopping. And this guy had to go out of his way, find two dudes who are willing to do this, pay him a couple thousand dollars, you know, like get a hobby. (laughs) I don't know. This is crazy to me.
1: Well, the thing that really frustrates me is that it gives fuel to conspiracy theorists. It gives fuel to the Alex Joneses of the oh, world. That's the
0: last thing they need, Jesse. It's the,
1: it's the last thing they need, but it, but just a little bit of fuel can go an, awful, an awfully long way. So well,
0: it shows, I don't know, I think it shows again how hard it is to keep secrets. Like, there's con- giant conspiracies usually almost end up coming out. Right. This well, one took two weeks, I don't know. Well, Less than
1: that. Yeah, I'm not sure how long it takes. But do you remember, it, it wasn't that long ago, it was just about a month or two ago, the guy who sent bombs to all these members of Congress. Oh, yeah? And I forgot about that. Yeah, because none of the bombs worked. Yeah. But this guy sent all these bombs, and one of the first things that Rush Limbaugh and everybody else was saying was, this is a false flag. Yeah. this is, this. is These these people are sending bombs to themselves. And that's nonsense. They it's like weren't. when you
0: order flowers to, your, to, get, um, to come to your desk at work to make someone jealous, except it's a bomb. <laughs> Same thing, I think.
1: Uh, I, I guess. I'm trying to figure out how that applies. So you're sending a 1-800-BOMBS. Bomb, 1-800-BOMBS.
0: Don't but call that number. The thing
1: is, though, the next time somebody does this and then somebody says, well, this is a false flag, they have some credibility in saying it's a false flag. Gosh, Because Jesse Smollett it. created Jussie. a false flag. So, you know, these are the kinds of frustrations that we have in dealing with a representative democracy where people do all kinds of terrible things and make all kinds of mistakes. But I don't think you can isolate it on one side or the other. I think that you see these kinds of things from extremes on yeah, both sides. Yeah,
0: everybody sucks.
1: Yes, that's the, that's the lesson that you ought to learn. So when we come back from this, we're going to bring it all together and tell you what it all means. Are you excited? Ooh. Yes. Anyway, let me get back from our break. All right, so Abby, what does it all mean? Sum it all up for me.
0: The world is a garbage on fire.
1: Garbage Um, can on fire. That's a little harsher than I would be, because I think...
0: Recycling can on fire?
1: Uh, Well, for the most part, this national emergency really isn't going to have much of an impact on anybody one way or the other. How? Well.
0: Isn't it going to get money freed up for the wall?
1: It's going to get $8 billion. It's going to get 0.02% of the federal budget. But it
0: is going to? Like, it's going to be successful?
1: Well, no, because we're probably going to spend well over $8 billion litigating it in court. It's going to be challenged by a number of different states, and it's going to go to the Supreme Court. And it's going to cost a whole lot of money, and it's going to be blocked until then. And it that's may be—that's
0: not, be... not going to be taxpayer money, though. Well,
1: of course it is. Well, where do you think the money comes from to go for the federal government to go to court? Of course, uh, that's taxpayer money.
0: I don't know, money under the mattress or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's all taxpayer money. So this is going to cost all kinds of taxpayer money. And but that's money that nobody ever talks about. Nobody ever thinks about that when we're suing each other in different branches of government the only money that government has comes from taxpayers but the reality is this is not going to be much of make, and it's not going to make much of a difference to illegal immigration either we already have 640 miles of physical barriers along the border in areas that are highly trafficked the areas that don't have physical barriers for the most part don't need them they're, they're not necessary we don't necessarily put we don't need to put a wall over the Rio Grande River.
0: Or like in private property. Or in private
1: property. I, or know, I all feel this like
0: we're beating a dead horse. Everybody already knows this. Yeah, we've
1: already talked about this. So so the bottom line is this isn't going to have much of an impact one way or the other directly on people, and it's probably going to be blocked. Uh, where I think it becomes dangerous, what where I be, think it becomes a problem, is in how how it's interpreted by people and If it's true that Democrats feel emboldened that they can get elected next time and decide to take over the entire economy to declare a national emergency on climate change, then yes, this is a problem. I don't think that's going to happen because I... I,
0: The world will be over long before then. Right, right. Let's be real.
1: No, but, but those kinds of extremes don't generally happen on the slippery slope fallacy. We don't usually go down to the bottom of the slippery slope. I think the next Democratic president probably will declare some kind of inappropriate national emergency and he'll get... It's scr-
0: a rite of passage for it's a, a president. It's
1: a rite of passage for a president and he'll get screamed at by the right or she'll get screamed at by the right. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I should have used a... They'll get screamed at. I should have used a gender, gender neutral pronoun. Yeah. There. But the reality is it's not going to matter much, a whole lot one way or the other. And... We need to what I think the silver lining is in all of this, is that this is, is such an unpopular move among Democrats. It's universally unpopular, but there are even well, Republicans. I, I read that, I
0: read I saw a poll that was like sixty four percent of Republicans support
1: it. Sixty four percent, which means that thirty six percent of Republic thirty four percent of Republicans are opposed but to
0: it. But that was also at the gym when Fox News was on, so right. I don't know how what their polls are like.
1: Well, you break down you break down the country, and you've got like you, you the forty percent of the country are Republicans, thirty percent are I'm sorry, forty percent are Democrats, thirty percent are Republicans, and thirty percent are Independents. That's that's the rough estimate that's held for generations. So if thirty four percent of Republicans are opposed to this, and essentially one hundred percent of Democrats are opposed to it, I would bet that a majority of Independents are opposed to it. I've just done some.
0: It's simple maths.
1: It's simple maths. But what I think the silver lining is is that this will galvanize the other two branches of government into creating the legal framework necessary to hold emergency powers and executive orders in How check. How come
0: Gerald Ford just one day could be I – don't, I don't know any of the history behind it. Well, Gerald Ford
1: – no, no. Gerald Ford didn't just declare an emergency. Gerald Ford got Congress to approve – the Emergencies Act. Oh, so Congress gave the president emergency powers. Congress in 1976 played the role it's of like Jar Jar Binks when you
0: give like a baby a credit card.
1: Right, that's exactly right. Except for you give a baby a credit card and they just chew on it and they break it. They don't do anything with it. They don't understand it.
0: Okay, you give um, a nine-year-old a credit card. Okay. Never mind.
1: All right. Yeah, this analogy isn't quite as good as your previous analogy.
0: I know. Hmm. I I got cocky.
1: You got cocky. Off
0: my previous win.
1: Well, that's all right. But uh, I would very much like to see Congress revisit the National Emergencies Act to be able to put some teeth in it that would prevent a president from doing what President Trump has done. And I think this may very well do that. Now, President Trump would probably veto it. But it gets the ball rolling. It starts the conversation necessary to be able to rein in the excesses of people who want to abuse executive authority.
0: I think that would be a great idea.
1: Yeah. I'm on board. You're on board. Well, this is good. So, uh, we have solved all the world's problems, and we will solve all of next week's world's problems when we come back. If you are listening to this on the radio, please be sure to go to the KSL Podcast Center or go to iTunes. And subscribe so that you can get a notification the instant a new episode of Dinner Table Politics drops. But until then, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm
0: Abby Bennett.
1: And we'll see you next week on Dinner Table Politics.
0: Don't be racist.